Martin Luther had a term for someone who understands the Scriptures rightly. That is, someone who understands very well what the Scriptures say of the hopeless human condition and man's inability to free himself by his own works. He calls that person a theologian of the cross. And according to Luther, a theologian of the cross calls a thing what it is. Ash Wednesday presents an opportunity for us to call a thing what it is. I dare say that this day, indeed the whole season of Lent, comes as a breath of fresh air. I'll push, it, I'll push this envelope even further. You're allowed to like this day. You're allowed to like this season, and I'll tell you why. Because this season, and this day especially, gives you permission to not be okay. On Ash Wednesday, there is no pretense. There is no expectation to be upbeat and joyful while you and the world around you fall apart. This day, more than most, actually resonates with your everyday Christian experience. People give all sorts of reasons for leaving the church. But I really believe that one factor that contributes to this is that we forget to leave room for Ash Wednesday. We forget to embrace the freedom that Lent gives us to call a thing what it is. When we do that, I think it has a profoundly negative effect on all Christians, but especially young people. It was true of me once upon a time. Young people look out on the world and they look at their own lives and they see misery and despair. Then we bring them into our churches and we teach them schmaltzy praise choruses and in a don't worry, be happy type of Christianity. Never mind the real sorrow that they feel over broken relationships, over dead family members, over failed marriages, over illnesses and disease, over their own curse of Adam that they carry around every single day. So to this I say, bring on the ashes. Bring on the season of Lent because we need it. The imposition of these ashes is a simple ritual that the church has kept since the earliest of centuries. And it doesn't matter who you are or what kind of forehead you have. It doesn't matter if it's wrinkled, if it's not so wrinkled, or if it's fresh as a baby's skin. The ashes do not discriminate. And neither do these words. Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. When you receive them, you remember, that's where I'm headed, into the dust, one way or another. And in so doing, you are reminded of your need for Christ, <clears throat> for Christ to save you. Because outside of him, you've got nothing, only dust. There's something equally powerful going on for me and for all pastors that partake of this ritual today, as I repeatedly trace the ashes and say those same words over and over and over again, it's as if God is hammering it into my head, these people are going to die. How will you preach to them week in and week out? 
So let's not waste our time with frivolities, brothers and sisters. I've got no personal anecdote for you. I've got no funny story. I've got no cultural reference to lighten the mood. What I have is the truth to which I am beholden, a truth that has been deposited to me as a minister of the gospel that I must preach, seeing that I will be held accountable to God one day. God isn't going to ask me how many funny stories I told. He's not going to ask me how big my church was. Uh, he's not going to ask me about how many people listen to my podcast or if I had an internet following or, or if I connected with my audience, but about my faithfulness to the truth of his word. Did I call a thing what it is? I will do so now. Your death is coming. And it's coming quickly. When you, I think, <clears throat> I think this is a great service to bring your kids to, by the way. So good on our parents for doing that. When you look at your children and you imagine the full life that's ahead of them, you've got no clue what's in store for them. You've got no clue if it's going to be a long life by worldly standards or a short one. The only thing certain for them is death, and you don't get to decide when. There is literally zero time to waste because you don't know what's going to happen whenever you walk out of this church tonight, let alone the next 15 seconds. This is real life. You're not okay. Even if your death is further away than the rest of us, you must still face, face sorrow and misery in all of life until that time comes. This is urgent stuff. You need to be able to deal with this now. What you cannot do is paper over it and avoid it. You know, you can close the casket, but the body's still there. Hiding the reality does not change the reality. Your sins are very real. Your death is inevitable, and you are assured of sorrow and misery along the way. So here is what you need to hear, right here and right now. The message that God put into the mouth of his apostles, the very message that he puts into the mouth of his preachers today, I implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. God sent Paul to speak on behalf of Christ, to beg those people on behalf of Christ that they be reconciled to God. God has sent me here to do the same, to beg you to earnestly and urgently appeal to you. And my appeal is not my own. It is the Lord's. Get this. This holy and righteous God whom you have sinned against countless times, the God who has every right to consign you straight to hell upon your inevitable death, here and now begs you to throw yourself upon his mercy, to fall into his saving arms and receive not your just condemnation, but his grace, to know his steadfast love for you, and here's how you know that he will not turn you away. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, 
so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, this reconciliation, this is not your work. God has been reconciled to you through Christ who became your sin. God has poured out His righteous wrath upon Him as if He was your sin. There's no more wrath or judgment left for you. So leave your sins behind and come home. I appeal to you further, just as Paul did to the Corinthians, that you do not receive this grace of God in vain. You receive it in vain when you treat it lightly. When you come to the Lord's Supper to partake of His body and blood with every intention of continuing in your pet sins or when you neglect to eat and drink altogether. When you hear the gospel clearly proclaimed and treated as a trivial thing and not as a priceless treasure. When you hear the absolution like you heard just a minute ago for you personally, when you hear that absolution as if it gives you permission to go and do whatever you want, when you live under the pretense that your baptism means that you get to live however you want and that God owes you forgiveness and it's going to be dished out on your own terms. Don't go that route. Don't presume upon the riches of His grace. There's no time for that, remember? There's no time to play around here. You're going to die. Act like it. For He says, In a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now is the time to receive this reconciliation that has been won for you in the death and resurrection of Christ and is applied to you in the means of grace. Now is the time to continue in receiving this gift as God so willingly bestows it upon you. In fact, He begs you to receive it, to use it, to not despise or neglect it. Paul said as a minister of the gospel, he puts no obstacle in anyone's way. I'm not about to put an obstacle in your way. Here you will find the preaching of the Lord's word where he makes his urgent appeal to you week in and week out. And not only does he make that appeal, but his word gives the reconciliation that it demands through the gospel. Your Father receives you today with open arms. He's not angry. He knows your sins. He knows your sorrows better than you do. He knows all your hurts, whether from other people or as a result of your own sin. He knows the inevitable death that you must face. He knows it all. And He has a promise for them. Because yes, even God calls a thing what it is. Your sins, which have made your meeting with death certain, God has called forgiven. 
Jesus became your sins on the cross. So now, there's something even more certain than your death. You will live. That man from heaven has come down into your dust to raise you up, to reconcile you to his father. You will be raised with Christ on the last day. He has clothed you with his very life and with his immortality in your baptism. And it's not a pretense. It's not wishful thinking. You've been made the very righteousness of God for Christ's sake. And this is a promise that you take with you in this Lenten life of misery and sorrow. So yeah, you're not okay. I'm not okay. Life is and will be difficult. Death awaits. The ashes are here. But today we say, bring them on. Because that sign of the cross that's made upon your forehead represents something more certain than the ashes themselves. You know that today you lie in dust and ashes and this is your everyday Christian experience. That body of yours will one day be dust. But God has been reconciled. He has called a thing what it is. He has called you what you are. His own. In the name of Jesus, amen.